welcome back. We are on session six, which is ridiculous. I was hoping blindly that we might be over this by now, but um, but alas, here we still are with not 100% certainty of what the next few months holds, eh? So um, here's our commitment to you. We're just gonna keep going. Um, we're on two sessions a week and appreciate that might mean that some of you dip in and dip out absolutely fine you can watch and catch up we're speaking to someone about some podcasting believe it or not um and uh yeah so lots of stuff till still to come thank you for putting in your um feedback um the things that you want to get more content on we're working on those now we're just developing our june program uh but likewise if you've got any other suggestions at all um just let us know because there's plenty of people out there with half an hour to kill that are willing to come and talk to us. And I'm up for asking anybody, to be honest. Um, right, so big thank you to Aztec for again making us look good. Big thank you to Ian Williams, who painted this picture behind me. He's our artist of the week. Um, I don't know if you're aware, slightly off, off tangent, but the artists have got a special deal going on at the moment where they're trying to sell their work. If you go onto the Ian Williams website, I'm sure you can Google him. Um, there's there's um, some way of getting hold of some really great art for not that much money at the moment. Um, and another big thank you this week to Joe Burton, who halfway through the week kindly sent me an email asking if I needed any help and I did. So she uh, deserves a big round of applause uh, for making this session go really well. So thanks Joe. Right, so we've had some feedback on the length of the sessions um, on both sides. Some saying it's brilliant because it's just half an hour, it fits into their time. Others saying they'd really like more. Um, it's a balance. Yeah, we're in a tale of two halves. We all are. Some of us are really busy, some of us are not. So I think we're going to stick with half an hour. Um, and the more comes in terms of courses once it's all over, where we'll do proper in-depth stuff. Uh, but what is good is it definitely shows that there's a requirement within the industry for more formal, formal knowledge um, basis. So thank you. All of our subject headings are things that were already developed into our courses and our aims with all of this and with our future work is all about enabling brilliance, building resilience and building our knowledge base and our community base. So negotiation and budget is particularly apt conversation for obviously what's coming next in our industry where we are, we're going to be in a world where every penny is going to count both in our personal lives and also in the industry. So I'm hoping by the end of this we'll at least have had some conversation going back and forth between Laura and I about how we do that without screwing everyone over, <laughs> uh, which is ultimately, I guess, the point. Get what, what we need to achieve for our clients or our event directors or our shows, but not at the detriment to our over, overarching industry. So... I would love to introduce you to Laura Cole. I'm sure most of you already know um, who she is and where she comes from, but um, I met Laura when she was working at Clarion Events on, I think it was Spirit of Christmas. Um, she's Nebosh qualified operations manager. She's got 15 years experience. She does trade, she does consumer. She kind of does um, kind of what Event Shaper do, where we, um, you know, have specific clients um, across a lot of different shows. And so therefore, she's a great person to talk to um, in terms of some of the challenges that we might face. 
So, hi Laura. Hi, can everyone hear me? Yes, oh, good. I can hear you. It's so How nice to see all these familiar faces on a weekly basis, so thanks for having me everyone. Oh, it's amazing. Well, on their behalf, thank you very much. <laughs> um, I too am really enjoying seeing everyone's faces. Right, so I've got some, got some tough questions. I've got a really controversial poll at the end that you're all going to hate. Um, but should we get cracking? Yes. Okay. First one, in for the kill. What do you do when a client or event director has a totally unrealistic view of their budget? Let's chat. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, that can be a very difficult one uh, and can lead to uncomfortable conversations, I guess, when you feel that the budget doesn't reflect what the uh, client wants to achieve. Um, and I think from the start with us, it's about managing expectations and not making false promises. Um, and I think first off, I... I would speak to the client and actually try and find out what it is they want to achieve and, mm. and try and understand why they've set the budget that they have. And because sometimes I feel that it can be a lack of understanding from their part as to why they've set a particular budget. So I think that would be my starting point is just finding out a bit more from them, what they're wanting yeah. to do. It's um, I always found it really difficult um, or, or very different when I was in house doing operations uh, versus coming out of house where we, the difference is you're both employees of a company versus one is basically putting food on your table. Um, we, how sometimes do you feel like a counsellor sometimes? Yes, you have to kind of definitely. Go, it's um, you know, almost kind of gets them to the point where they're saying, and I recognise that you haven't given enough budget, or I re yeah, almost yeah. not telling them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you, do you realise this is all we have to achieve this? And like almost bouncing it back onto them to make them think about it. Yeah. And just us my, saying, um, you can't do it. My dad um, has always is always um, resending on Facebook that thing where it says you've got you've got two options um, out of the following three: um, good, cheap, and quick. Which two would you like? Because you can't have all three. So we're going to do a quick poll on that. Um, over to you, Joe. Um, and that is around that. We're going to be asking you, uh, so which two of these three things do you think take priority in the majority of show decisions? Good, cheap or quick? Okay, thanks. Oh, that surprises me, but that is really good. I, I'm getting some really nice poll um, outputs from you guys. We all live in a very lovely world. Sometimes I don't think it's real um, because I definitely get asked more often for it to be, well, quick is obviously pretty much a given. I often one get asked for it to be cheap and quick rather than good. Um, so we need to find out where those 48% of goods are and figure out what shows you're working on because we want to come and work on them <laughs> definitely <laughs> i think i'm i'm always asked to get something cheaper regardless of whether it's a good quote or not i think at the moment uh well certainly for the last yeah. few years um budgeting's changed and everything seems to get cut uh, we don't yeah. seem to have the budgets that we used to have um which yeah. makes it difficult with our contractors as well it's then we have to have the difficult conversations with them too yeah do you think, um, uh, do you ever get an event director asking you if you can go and buy the chairs from Ikea? Yes. 
<laughs> or the shelves or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then so well, who's going to build those? Because I'm not very good at building from IKEA, I must say. <laughs> No, I know. And it doesn't really go into it, does it? No, no, exactly. exactly. I'm sure Adam's heard that one a lot as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or um, I can get a flat screen down at, you know, yeah. wherever, Curry's or wherever it's yeah. open for, for less than that. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it is. I think um, as... I think definitely as an office person matures in their career, you find those un, kind of almost the unwritten ways of getting that um, option over to, um, I forgot what I was going to say, kind of find that subliminal way of telling an event director yeah. which way is up without, without offending them and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think... Yeah. I think it also reiterating like uh, previous um, sessions that we've had, it's the importance of speaking with our contractors as well, because ultimately they're the ones that can help us when it comes to our budgets. And if we need to try and find alternative ways to save money. Yeah. So I think it's just so important to, to, to liaise with them too. Yeah. Actually that leads on to one of my other questions. So what are the biggest influences in how much value you can create from the smallest budget? I think um, I think contractors is one of the biggest influences. Um, there's been many times that I've been asked to cut the budget, uh, cut an amount out, and I've spent hours trying to figure out how I can do that. And then one phone call to a contractor, and they've helped me out, you know, straight away and taken mm. off, taken that pressure away. So I think that is the key relationship that you need when it comes to trying to get the most out of your budget. Mm. Um, and then, uh, I mean, they are the experts in that in their fields. Yeah. Um, um, but then just I think on, um, just on that one, I don't know if you find so quite often, um, and I think actually it's been really relevant recently. What how we think a contractor makes money isn't how they make money, and therefore we can spend so much time trying to figure out how we can rework that number. And like you yeah. say, by picking up the phone, they can tell you where their shortcuts can be that can save the money. Yeah, exactly. And often it's things that we haven't thought about because we, we don't fully understand mm. what they need to do. Yeah. But I think also biggest influences is, is the, the client as well and the show team. Um, and for me, it's talking with the sales and marketing people as well. Often they'll bring in contra deals or sponsorship opportunities that can help you with your budget as well. Mm. Um, that's, yeah. that's another area that I think is quite important. Yeah. I would say I think um, kind of going back to that contractor relationship or even like the sales relationship and the, my team always take the mick out of me um, for for um, the value I place on a cup of tea. <laughs> like, yes. you know, for those of you that know me, I love tea. Um, <laughs> but um, what you can talk about and what you can find out about um over the kettle boiling and a cup of tea even when you're on site even when yeah. you're under time pressure it's those snippets of knowledge isn't it where yeah. you can where generally that's when the contractor will tell you all the problems they've had getting into your building that has cost them money and then yeah. kind, of, kind of go well if i make that easier maybe we can we can chisel away at some bits and figure out a, a better option to suit all parties yeah and yeah. often it it's easy to have those conversations, I think, on site as well when, when you're amongst the, the event setup and it's not so formal and you can have those informal chats as you walk in the show floor or talk about mm. things as they're being built. I think it's a lot easier to have those conversations. Yeah, yeah. 
just and watching it in in unfold in front of you and yeah. watching the process that that goes through I completely agree and it's a good excuse to have a cup of tea so that um, works for me so I never needed an excuse <laughs> right so how do you I guess the big one I mean and none of us know the answer to this so it's a bit mean asking it but how do you think budgets are going to be affected post-covid adapt <sighs> I mean, I think it's unrealistic to assume budgets won't be affected. Um, I think that it's likely organisers will be more cautious with their spending, even more so than normal. Um, but I think we're, as ops, we're almost conditioned now to try and save money in our budgets. So I think that what, I mean, what I do with my budget straight away when I get one is I look at the areas that I think could be cut further down the line because I know at some point I'm probably going to be asked that question. So I try and get ahead of the game um, and, you know, look at what would be, what are the must-haves to make a show work? What are the would like to have that, you know, would make the show um, look great, but it's not essential. And then the niceties that enhance an event. And that's my starting point. And I feel like that will become even more important when we, when, you know, we go back and get the events up and running is to see where we, what we need to focus on. And I think organizers will look at us to do that. Yeah. Is it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we all we all um, thought that everything was essential before, and we've just we just had a whole season of not spending anything, which yeah. is no worry. We've obviously spent a whole season not achieving anything as well. But um, yeah, I um, when we were catching up in the run up to this, um, uh, we were talking about you know I you know the conversation about whether ops stifle. Um, uh, thinking around budget but also also sometimes contractors stifle that thinking as well there are some great contractors out there that encourage free thinking and free challenging and come to me with a problem and I'll solve it and and obviously you know most of those are on this call now um but I I do distinctly remember it was like one of those like proper cringe moments of my career when I stood up in front of the ESSA conference and basically said if I have a client who wants to give me a chunk of money to spend on it on making things better um put your hand up tell me what you want how much money you want and what you would want to do with it and two people stood up one wanted a three by three meter storage area and the other wanted six grand to do an overnight working shift and I was like is that all that the industry has to offer <laughs> like my client was sat in the room and he told me he would give me a hundred grand and so far I've come away with nine square meters and six grand it's not some do you think we need to open up the conversation and have some really quite challenging conversation um, discussions there. Yeah, I, I do. And to us, I think that when after this situation as well, I think organisers want going to want to see fresh ideas and initiatives. And actually, on the flip side, might be more willing to spend money because they want the event to look great and be as successful as possible. Mm. Um, but I think because we're so conditioned into trying to save money. We, we're not used to having those conversations. So I think that's something that we all need to think about. Um, mm. And I think moving forward, it'll be a case of talking with our suppliers as well and find, because I'm sure they're thinking about new ideas right now and what they can bring to the industry when we're all you know, back to normal. Yeah, absolutely. Right, we've got a question coming from Emily. I did forget to say, actually, please put the questions in there. That's great. And sorry about that poll, only answering one um, option. Um, so... 
Emily says, I wonder if people will not commit to a spend until last minute after everything's happened and late as possible POs. Um, do you think that that's possible? Uh, I do think that's possible. I think that actually happens at the moment anyway. <laughs> I don't know about anyone else. But um, I think deadlines get pushed further and further back and the amount of conversations I've had to ring and, you know, being told that features need to get into build. I'm like, I can't commit just yet. How, you know, how much longer can we hold off for? Yeah. Um, so I think that's something we're already used to. But I guess it's up to us as well to be having those conversations with our event directors and trying to educate them so they understand the pressures that we're under and our contractors are under to try and get, you know, if they want the show to look good, we have to get things confirmed and produced because I think that a lot of shows are going to start to clash with datelines and so there's not going to be enough supplies for everyone so if we mm. want to secure what we need we need to be on the ball really yeah um, and also I mean there our contractors are going to need funds in the bank to to get their businesses going yeah it's not going to happen on a PO a week out from a show you know we've um event shaper has uh, gone for some of the sea bills um, support that the government's um, put out there and it's taken two months to uh, to ever get to the point of signing a form um, and you can only you can only go down that route in a business obviously if you've got if you've got contracts coming in and and a piece of paper that says that this much will will be bought at this on this show at this time yeah. um so all the time that we're not delivering P <clears throat> po's in our business we're stifling our contracting community hugely and what we don't like we all love we all love the big guys the small guys the medium guys <clears throat> but what we can't have is all of the small guys go because they can't underpin uh the bank loans yeah. uh, to support the next period of shows and um, that would be a really dull place to be definitely mm. we all need to try and work together as much as possible and support each other as best mm. we can through all of this i think so speaking of money and hard cash um <laughs> <laughs> so how do you find that cash flow issues and paying on time affects what value you can get from your contractors i think that we you know we work hard to build up trust and relationships with our suppliers and one way to aid that is to to get them paid um, and to raise the POs and I think that when we're able to do that they then support us more um, you know that, I mean that's my opinion hopefully hope some guys on the calls agree um, but I think when you pay suppliers late it can result in them losing confidence and maybe then you're not prioritized in the future when you're against another show that clashes yes well yeah more even more so important now i think you know if if there are is a section of our contractor community that isn't going to make it yeah. um we we will have a a pinch on resources and and you know everybody knows that you know there's a number of things that make up that contractor relationship like uh, Adam and I were talking about last week um you need to be as high up on that list as you possibly can sometimes it's obviously really hard because there's so many of these things that are outside of our control yeah. um you know we're not the one that's pressing the pay button on the on the um screen um yeah for the transaction to happen okay. but um yeah like you say you know 
making sure that that happens making sure that's priority is massive yeah and I, I think it's just keeping in touch with your supplier as well and trying to keep them informed so it's possible there's nothing worse than being chased by someone or having to chase someone for payments you know it's uncomfortable mm. conversations so the, i think if you at least can keep them as up to date as you as you're able to it helps yeah yeah um i i can i'm concerned about um the the uh, percentage of margins that are kind of in the industry right now you know um in the, the good old days there would be enough margin in there to um tackle a few bits and pieces you know for there to be some flex and and maneuver i don't know are you are you finding with some of your suppliers that um it's a bit, little bit more desperate um yeah. whether they work on the show or not or yeah definitely i think mm. um I, I i guess i do feel that i'm quite chased a lot by suppliers too to wanting to work on the show i think there's a lot of competition out there now as well and everyone mm. has their preferred suppliers they would like to work with um but they say every, everyone's going to be fighting to survive at the moment yeah um, so it makes it more difficult yeah definitely Right, what's in your, so we've probably covered some of these, but what's in your personal toolkit? You can only name three, like the um, top three things that you use to um, negotiate the best value, not the best price, but the best value, and for budgeting. Um, does tea and chocolate count as one? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Bribery. It's my, it's my number one. <laughs> and, and three. Yeah. <laughs> um, I... Um, it's hard to pinpoint it into into one word, but I guess um, when it comes to negotiation, it's just having the open conversations, I think, and being as upfront as possible because there's nothing worse than just trying to give someone a false idea of something and then later down the line you're having to cut back or change mm. it. So I think the more you can have those upfront conversations, the, the better it will be yeah. um, in terms of yeah. negotiation. Do you think we've got enough view of what the bottom line is and what what how our budget fits within the overall budget? I, I think it varies between client to client, really. I don't I don't think that we always do, and I think often it can then come as a surprise when we're told to suddenly cut twenty grand off a budget, or you know, and you didn't you didn't see it coming. So yeah, uh, I think yeah, it, it varies really. We've got a quick poll on this one, and while uh, Joe's sorting that out, I, I and this is one that I think um, I've got quite a personal view on. And uh, so, a long time ago, I made the most horrendous set of decisions in my entire life and launched a show, and lost my house to a show. Um, so sometimes um, when I hear banter in the office or just, you know, the occasional wind in the office about, you know, he's cut my budget by this, he's done this. I'm like, yeah, I wish I'd cut my budget <laughs> so I didn't lose my house. I mean, obviously, most of our clients um, are maybe not on the edge of losing their house or not. But if you look at the budget in a really holistic view and understand your position within it and understand um uh, does that notch higher up as to when the when the cut points are going to come why they're going to come and and why so i always find it infuriating i don't know if there's any marketing people on here i hope not because we're ops but um, <laughs> um i always find you know marketing spend their money before i do 
so I get cut and they turn me yeah. down. So trying to get those POs in before the marketing spend goes out. Yeah. Like, I think ops is always the first budget to be cut. That's how I feel anyway. Yeah. Well, we're usually the last to, um, the last to decide. Yeah. That's you know, true. The marketing campaigns have to be decided, you know, months, months in advance. Um, maybe that is something that's going to change in the new in the new world and that our contractors are going to need us to confirm a lot earlier uh, yeah. so maybe that pinch point will fall more evenly yeah okay so i think we've got a poll on the bottom line so do you feel you have a good enough understanding of the bottom line of the event you're working on and obviously, if you're a supplier or contractor or venue, it's the same question. Um, you could just do it for your clients. <clears throat> Fab. Okay, so. Um, so, marginal, but marginal, no. I, I um personally think this is an area that needs massive um training on um either internally or as a as an industry um because the amount of money that is lost on um on not understanding budgeting and how and how that all pans out um, must be huge yeah Definitely. And I think we're not always involved from the start when it comes to the budget either. So often decisions have already been made and then we're brought in and don't have the overview of mm. the full budget to fully understand. Yeah. Right. So there's a few questions on here, I think. So Angie, Angie Donaldson, is it? Um, are we becoming too reliant on our contractor suppliers going that extra mile as the norm? And would we ever see... Um, that as a step too far uh, what, uh, what would they ever see as a step too far I think oh that's a difficult one uh, I think probably to an extent we do rely a lot on our contractors to to go that extra mile for us um, mm. I think because we particularly on site you know we're put under more pressures and build times have been reduced etc so we lean on, we're all one big team essentially when we're on site, so we do all lean on each other and maybe we do then cross the boundaries somewhat with yeah. our contractors. Um, yeah. It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I, I think um, I'm gonna, I, we're going to run the next poll while I'm talking, if that's all right, Joe, uh, because this is the crunchy one and I think uh, ultimately if we're being honest with ourselves, sometimes we're part of the problem. And so the next poll is, um, are ops part of the problem? Uh, so in, our, in your opinion, do you think ops shield event directors from contractors' pain points? Um, and the reason I put this on there is, um, is that sometimes event directors are in their own bubble and they have no understanding of the um, issues and what they're actually asking of a company. And and sometimes are we the people in the middle of that 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 could influence it for the better, or or do we sometimes make it worse? What do you think, Laura? I think we probably sometimes do make it worse. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I think we're probably we're protective of our roles and of our contractors, and so then we don't always bring it 
to the forefront of, an, of an event director's um, yeah. mind, um, probably because we are control freaks as well. So we just try to deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I think we probably need a good long look, a hard look at ourselves on this one. <laughs> I think we do because I don't think we ever do it for bad intentions. We're just doing, doing yeah. trying to do our job properly. Yeah, exactly. We're just trying to get on with things, especially when we are on site and everything's moving at a fast pace. And you say so you just you just deal with everything, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. But we do. So. Yeah. And and sometimes we kind of um, you we take that on the chin from. The contractor we don't want the event director to turn around and go well you can't use them anymore exactly um, exactly but Which has happened to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's the last thing we want yeah also what is there is there something to be said there for contractors also needing to give a give a line give a a line of which they will not cross or a or a more firmer idea of what that what that is yeah, I think it, I think it would be great if contractors opened up those conversations with us because maybe we're just sometimes naive to it, and and don't don't recognise um, the pressures that we put them under. So I think it would be great for them to begin those conversations with us and make us more aware because maybe we just aren't aware of how mm. much we do push them at times. Yeah, yeah, we should sort that out. Yeah. <laughs> Right, answers on a postcard, everyone. Right, you guys are. I'm loving the chat, but I'm just gonna have to. Um, Joe, have you been reading it? Is there anything in there that we can pick out? As uh, what was your one? Right, do we need to be having the conversations with our contractors now about how we are more inventive with our budgets? How can we apportion budgets across multiple shows and reuse parts of feature builds and stuff? I think, I think that is a big one. That's a very good question. I think that's something that we could definitely be doing. And I think we don't know how this could be affecting suppliers' rates at the moment. For, so when we come back, rates could change and what we are used to could, could change with our suppliers. So the sooner mm. we can start and have those conversations and try and work with them across, across shows as well. I, I've done that with shows before where we've reused a feature on one and it's gone back to back and we've kept the same feature built for the next show. Um, mm. and try to work across the shows it, it can work really well but I think the sooner we start and have those conversations it will help us all in the long run yeah absolutely <laughs> we're out of time already <laughs> I believe it. I've got more questions <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying it's distracting looking at them all I'm like oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> exactly I'm gonna have a good old read but well, when I download it it's a chat as well so we can all have a big old chat and like keep have a go with that next um but uh, sorry we've run out of time laura thank you I, I think there were some real key points in there that we could take forward and, and start working on uh, either through our associations or just through a collective through a collective of indi individuals um so before we go though big thank you to laura big thank you to joe a uh, big thank you to aztec and a big thank you to my team back at shape hq for supporting me in doing this and and keeping the shows going on to allow me a bit of time to do this uh so joe cue the what's next so on thursday we've got a special session uh with leanne Newton from event sports solutions so one of your requests not you specifically but you collectively um asked is for some more um 
information on scan plan regulations and design checks. Uh, so we've got Leanne on board on Thursday and then next Tuesday, uh, which is our more generic broad session, we've got Andy Paul in from Team Services who is going to be talking to us about scheduling for autumn 2020. Now, clearly, um, we don't know what's happening in autumn 2020, but we're just going to plan on the premise that um, uh, all the shows are going to happen and they're all condensed into a shortened time scale and it's going to be crazy. So if we plan on that, we can use some of the lessons from that just generically. Um, as I've said a few times, the courses are there. Send me any information, um, any requests for information. Um, this, uh, this subject in particular is a key area on, uh, on, on all of those courses because ultimately we are all in it to make money and have a good time, but everybody in the chain does need to make money, otherwise it doesn't work. So I think it's a critical part of what we're all about. Um, so thank you very much. I will um, we'll get this uploaded and probably put up a lot quicker since Joe's helping me. Um, mm -hmm. So you can rewatch it for another week or so and um, have a wonderful week. And I'll see you, anyone who wants to join us on Thursday, I'll see you Thursday. Mm -hmm.